Blog Talk Radio. interview show on the internet is about to begin. Uh, Big Swing here, Icon, Granny Hulkster with us. Again, doing triple duty tonight, but I'm going to try to pop in as much as possible. Um, Let me ask you guys, uh, it's Monday. Monday snuck up on us again. Uh, How was your guys' weekend? Oh, good. Uh, Granny's college took care of Oral Roberts, so I was happy about that. So, uh, no complaint here. Thank you, Arkansas Razorbacks, for taking them out. Woo! Pig Stewie! Razorbacks! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. I had to throw that in there. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> My weekend was good. I went to a wrestling show, had a great time. Got new tag team champions at WCWA, which I'm very, very, very happy about. So nice, nice. Actually, posted a picture on my Facebook with me holding the tag team belts. You know, so yeah, that was awesome. I saw that. That was awesome. So I'm surprised I even have a voice left, but you know. Had a great time, as always. Well, I don't have much of a voice left. It's not because I was yelling. It's just because I've been... Uh, you know, I guess all weekend. that Disney lied to us, and Cinderella is not real, uh, because as Icon touched on, Oral Roberts did defeat over the weekend. For those of you uh, who are upset by it, or those of you who may be excited by it, uh, like Icon is, um, 
Icon, I wanted to tell you something, though. Um, I did a mock draft this morning on my sports talk show. Uh, obviously, you didn't have all this background interference because I didn't have to work a music station as well as work the, the on-air station. So I do apologize for any feedback you guys may be hearing. Uh, that'll be gone temporarily as soon as I mute my mic. But, um, yeah, Icon, you might be excited to know that my mock draft that I did after the trades that happened for the NFL draft that's coming up as well as free agency – uh, I'm out your boy there, um, Trey Lance, uh, and he's actually going to drop a little bit. Um, I mean, he, he – and tell me if you agree with this assessment. Yes, he's one of the winningest quarterbacks in college football uh, over the last couple of years, but obviously he does play in that FCS division, doesn't have the competition level, hasn't been seeing NFL-level defenders, NFL-level uh, corners. He doesn't have NFL-level wide receivers, running backs, offensive linemen, things like that. So he is going to be a first-round pick, but he's going to drop a little bit. And uh, I have him being the next franchise quarterback in a system designed to win, and that is coming in and learning for one season under Cam Newton and the New England Patriots and becoming perhaps the next Tom Brady. I don't know what Dakota State. What do you think about that? No, that is, that's not going to happen. I, uh, you might want to uh, – uh, I think uh, he's going to go to San Francisco. That's the uh, – that's the, that's well, the I don't think San Francisco just traded up to the third pick. I don't think they're trading up to get him. I think they're trading up for a Justin Fields or a Zach Wilson, uh, perhaps. Um, I had him going to Carolina. However, I have the Jets taking Zach Wilson and shipping Sam, uh, Sam Donald to Carolina to learn under Bridgewater and start fresh, and that's why I don't have Carolina taking Lance. Um, but I could be wrong, but I think that the, the ideal situation for him would be to go to New England where he can learn under perhaps the greatest coach of all time and uh, and really be in a winning program without really having to prove himself right out of the gate. Well, you know, when uh, you have, uh, you know, when you, when you have all these strong ties that I do locally down here with all these guys, and uh, I mean, I'm not saying you're wrong, but, uh, you know, when uh, they have the uh, – when they have the uh, the toast of the town on local sports talk radio, from what he's heard uh, from uh, you know teams on the Columbine uh, and the the pro day, uh, you know you have to kind of go with what he uh, what he's been told, don't you think? That's where you answer the question, you know. <laughs> Well, I think he disappeared. Well, that's nothing new, is it? <laughs> but anyway, uh, well, wherever Trey goes, uh, I will say this about Trey Lance: wherever he goes. Oh, and by the way, I did get the I did get the autographed jersey. By the way, thank you very much, uh, oh, Trey. Oh, nice, nice. So uh, But uh, uh, wherever he goes, though, uh, I know that he'll help make a difference. And I'm just hoping he goes to a team that will give him more respect and more love than Philadelphia gave Carson Wentz, which is why I'm glad that Carson Wentz is out of Philadelphia because they never – Well, how do, you, how do you think he's going like to do that. in – how do you think he's going to do in Indy? Well, I – I mean, think I about think it. He's got a great offensive line now. He's got some good weapons. He's got a defense to support him, which he didn't have in Philly because, in, you know, the Philly defense is a train wreck. And, you know, he's had offensive line injuries. He's been sacked more times than anybody else in the league because of that faulty offensive line. And now he's got a mauler in Quentin Nelson. I think that they're going to um, – they just had 
Constanzo retires, so I think they're going to draft a guy like a Trevin Jenkins or a Samuel Cosme, somebody like that. I think he's going to have a good line. He's going to have a good receiving core, a solid running game, and a good defense. I think this could be the revitalization. And you know what? My pick, and I'm going out on a limb here to say this, is Carson Wentz and the Indianapolis Colts win at AFC South this season. That's just my prediction. Uh, and that is my prediction as well. The th- here's the thing about uh, Carson Wentz in Indianapolis, uh, and uh, I know that uh, he, there are Bison fans that are listening to the show, and I know that uh, sometimes uh, Carson himself has uh, uh, his relatives that listen to the show because of they because of who I am. Not that I'm bragging or anything, but uh, true, true. Here's the thing. After this, by the way, i got to step aside for a second. After you make your point on, on Wentz, uh, tell us who's coming on the show tonight. But continue your Wentz point for a minute, but then you go into who's coming on, and I'm going to step away for one second. Okay, this is, and this is just my opinion, but here's the thing. Carson Wentz is the one that was the mastermind that helped Philadelphia Eagles get their first Super Bowl. Yes, he got hurt. Yes, Nick Foles is the one that took over the reins and won the Super Bowl. And Nick Foles is the one that's got a uh, statue in front of Philadelphia Eagles Stadium. So what? If it would have been for Carson Wentz, you guys wouldn't even have a sniff there. And I praise my Minnesota Vikings for sneaking some revenge on Nick Foles by taking his ass out this last season and putting his ass on the bench. And that's to you, Nick Foles. You can kiss my you-know-what. Thank you. That's my that's my commentary on Nick Foles. <laughs> anyway, so let me uh, see who we got here. Our, our first guest uh, coming up in, uh, in on about four minutes. We have Stephen Fry. Uh, he is uh, he is definitely a big uh, big man on campus, and he's a great guy. Uh, he is the promoter for RWA Wrestling. Uh, we have uh, Gary uh, uh, Damron. And uh, Gary, what's what's cool about Gary uh, is uh, he's going to tell us all about being a promoter for ASW Wrestling. So we got a promote, we got a bevy of promoters today, and we have a return guest. Uh, we have David Shelton uh, returning for uh, uh, for us. Uh, great uh, great writer, great film, TV actor, artisan, you name it. Uh, he's returning uh, after a year's hiatus. So we're going to have some fun with these guys. Uh, can't wait. Uh, it's going to be fun. So uh, we're going to have a blast with these guys. <clears throat> but no. it'll, be, it'll be awesome to have these guys on with us today. Sounds like an exciting night. Oh. Uh. You know, and uh, you know, Granny. Of course, you know, uh, you know where these guys are promoters at. Uh, you know, they. Uh, I'm sure that you guys know a lot of the same guys. Uh, you know, uh, in the wrestling business, as far as independent wrestlers go. So, uh, you know, hopefully uh, that that is the case. I don't know, but uh, generally, you know, it's like as we start talking to the individuals. You know, it's like, yeah, I know that guy, or yeah, I know that guy, or I've seen that guy. You know, it's one of those things that uh, just kind of goes with the territory. And uh, we're gonna have some fun uh, with uh, with uh, with that being said. So uh, let's make sure I got the 
control of the board just in case? <laughs> oh, there we go. <laughs> yeah. That's what it sounded like when Nick Foles was carried off the off the field after the Minnesota Vikings crunched his ass. So thank you. Uh, anyway, uh, enough of Nick Foles, and I don't have to. Uh, I won't have to worry about hitting Drew Brees anymore because he's uh, he's no longer on the field. But if he goes to the booth, uh, there'll be that'll be another sports announcer I can dislike uh, next to Joe Buck and Troy Aikman and some of those other guys. Um. So, yeah. So we're we're gonna have some fun tonight. Sadly, you know, we we always bring uh, we always bring this entertainment mecca to our fans around the world. You know, and it it is kind of an interesting honor, but not too many podcasts can say that they're number one in Ho Chi Minh City, Vietnam. Not many podcasts can say that. You know, that's true. I mean, <laughs> When it, when it comes to That's spanning true. the globe, we love all our fans. We love all our listeners. And, uh, you know, for those that thought that, uh, well, you know, COVID might, uh, you know, slow them down or this or that or the other. Nope. That ain't happening. COVID didn't stop us. COVID ain't going to stop us. So <laughs> there you go. <coughs> And this illness I'm suffering, I do apologize to our listeners that uh, I am feeling a little under the weather. And uh, if you hear coughing every now and then, I'll try and mute that so you can't hear that. But I think our first guest is on now, so I will uh, bring them on. And uh, we will uh, have some fun with our first guest. And uh, we'll make sure that it is our first guest and not the uh, the toilet flush guy or the, uh, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, the soccer guy wannabe, whatever the hell he is. You know, I mean, you know, it's funny. And, I, and, I, and I, I've mentioned this before, you know, uh, Jordan Garber, uh, we, we, I miss him dearly. You know, he... Everybody thought that we had issues, but we didn't. You're always the best of friends. And, uh, uh, you know, but here's the thing, though. If someone wants to take time out of their life to call in and flush the toilet on our show, uh, more power to you because, you know, you're not hurting us. Uh, you know, you're just proving that you're actually listening and uh, you want to be part of the show, not exactly in a positive well, way. Well, we actually haven't had the toilet flushing guy for quite some time. We've had somebody else who calls himself the Terminator that thinks that they know everything. So, I mean, whoever you are, you know, you need to be a little bit more respectful to people than what you are sometimes, especially when we have when we're in in the middle of interviewing our guests. You know. So. All right. Well, our our first guest is on, so I'm going to go ahead and bring him on. Here we go. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, stepping out of the green room. I can't. Do have the three three six on whenever you get a chance. Yeah, he is the big man on campus in more ways than one. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you promoter extraordinaire. I give you Stephen Fry. 
Hey, this is the greatest wrestling manager alive, Stephen Fry, and you're listening to the Attitude Era Live with the host, the icon, the big swing, and Granny Hulkster. Hey, Steve, how are you? Welcome to the show, buddy. I'm also sorry to disappoint you that I'm not going to be flushing toilets tonight. Unless you want me to. Unless you want me to. Now, if you want me to, I can. Well, not 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 really, Stephen. We we appreciate that you're not going to do that. uh, Well, I'll tell you what. uh, I I think we'll I think we'll 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 forgive you this time, Stephen. Well, I appreciate that. I do appreciate that. Um, I don't know what other kind of uh, weirdos that call and do stuff like that. You said you had one that knows everything. Um. We have some well, of those he, in my he neck claims, of the woods, too. He claims, so. he claims to know everything. You know, he, he calls Icon a stupid, idiotic jerk and that he doesn't know anything, and he tells me that I absolutely know nothing, and he does not want to piss Granny off because I tell you, I can get mad when I have to, and I will get mad if I have to, so... <laughs> Just well, saying, out there, whoever you are. Of the woods too, so uh, we have those right. those uh, those kind of people are everywhere. It's not they're not exclusive to you. Um, uh, I think every Price, section of the country has one of those or two or three. Uh, Stephen Price, our guest here. We got twenty nine minutes here, Stephen. So here's what we're gonna do, Stephen. You want to give us a little background about yourself, and then we'll uh, interview you, ask some questions. We'll do a roundtable, then we'll come back to me and I'll ask you the tough questions. So uh, go ahead. <laughs> well, just don't make them too tough. Um, I, I don't like really tough questions. Of course, you know, uh, who does? But um, I started in this business. I, I grew up uh, just absolutely loving this business. Um, my grandfather uh, is the one that introduced me to professional wrestling when I was probably two or three years old. And um, he would take me to the live matches uh, in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Of course, that was Jim Crockett territory, so I got to see all the greats uh, as I was growing up. Black Jack Mulligan, Rick Flair, Rufus R. Jones, Wahoo McDaniels, uh, Ricky Steamboat, Paul Jones, all those guys. Ole and Gene Anderson. I, I, I don't mean to slight them whatsoever because they scared, they scared the bejesus out of me when I was a little kid, so. Um, so all through my teen years, you know, watching, uh, you know, being in the Carolinas, it was the hotbed. So I knew growing up, I had to, I had to be in this business. That's, that's this, I had to do it in, in one way or another. Um, I had to be a part of the wrestling. Um, unfortunately my knees would not let me wrestle. Um, I probably could have, but it would have been very short lived. Um, because my knees were just garbage from the jump. Um, but I went to high school, well, actually from elementary school on with a guy named Tony Hunter. Um, and his dad was an independent wrestler, uh, in the Carolinas and he trained wrestlers. So, um, went in high school, me and Tony started, um, going, getting up with his dad and, we would go to the shows with him and, you know, because he would promote it also. And we'd set up the ring and, you know, just do whatever. And, and his dad had Tony, um, because he was his son, start refereeing. And then I'm guessing it was around 88. I was probably a senior in high school, maybe. 
and his dad passed away at a show. Um, me and Tony showed up to the show, and before they even opened the doors, his dad had already fell over and passed away. Well, me and Tony, well, actually, Tony more than me, but we ran the show that night because his dad said, no matter what, you make sure the show always goes on. And then from that moment on, I was basically uh, a part of the business. I, I like to say I, I wormed my way in, you know, through a back door. I didn't have to go to a wrestling school per se. I didn't have the hard training like some of these guys did. But if you ask anybody, I was smarter than half these guys because I actually loved the business and I paid attention. There's so many guys now, now that don't do that, you know. Now, when you uh, – I, I, I didn't mean to cut you off. I, I, I'm just kind of want was kind of hoping you'd elaborate that on a little bit. So now, when you uh, when you decided uh, you and your buddy to put on the show after he had passed, uh, did did you later on did you uh, did you buy the company then or did you <clears throat> buy the area or how did that how did that happen? No, uh, well, I mean, it's independent wrestling. Um, there really isn't like a territory um, as much as us promoters would like to think so. As you know, we'd like to think, well, we just run this town. That's our town. <clears throat> I mean, really, anybody can come in and just run right underneath you. Um, it shouldn't be that way, but that's kind of the way it is. You know, there's not much you can do about it because there's no – it's not like the old days where guys enforce that stuff. And if you tried to enforce it now, you'd just end up in jail because somebody would whine and cry and have you arrested. Um, but – I mean, Tony inherited everything. He inherited the ring and, you know, stuff like that. So he basically he took over and run a handful of shows. But, I mean, we were teenagers when we got it. <clears throat> so we really didn't know what we were doing. Um, so it didn't take us long to figure out that we had a lot to learn. So we stopped promoting and just started, you know, concentrating on working. Um and so I started refereeing about that time, <clears throat> and I was fortunate enough that we met Bobby Fulton of the Fantastics, um, and he was running shows at the time. So we got to work for him almost, you know, right out of the jump. So I got to sit under the learning tree very, very early in my career, which helped me immensely. And the shows he ran, he would use guys like Wahoo McDaniel. He was Ivan Koloff, the Junkyard Dog. So I got to, you know, he even used Paul Jones and Robert Gibson at the time. So we had, like, quality guys on the show and that did not have egos that would actually take time to teach you. So I was very fortunate in that aspect um, that I got to work with quality guys. Uh, another promoter in the Carolinas, Greg Price, who, who is the one that started the NWA Legends Fan Fest in Charlotte a few uh, 15 years ago, I guess. <clears throat> he was running shows at the time and working with Bobby, so he would run great shows as well. So not only did I get to work with those guys for Bobby, but I got to work with them with Greg too. So I got to know some of them very, on a very personal level, um, which helped me also. Um, but I refereed around the Carolinas, Virginia and South Carolina, probably from, I want to say from, say, 89 to maybe 2000. And then I took a couple of years off, and then I came back as a manager. And so I thought, you know, I can do this. 
And I had a guy give me a shot, said, yeah, yeah, I think you can do it too. Go ahead and do it. And the first night, it just took off. Um, and so I've been doing that ever since. Um, and I've had a lot of fun. Um, uh, Stephen Price, our guest here. We've got about uh, 22 minutes here with Stephen. So now as a, as a promoter, you know, you basically run the whole show. Uh, but you also have uh, people helping you, obviously. How many do you have working in the background with you? Um, not as many as you think. Um, I tried not – when I ran my own shows, I didn't work the show as a talent because I knew as running the show I was needed elsewhere. So I would let other guys take that spotlight <clears throat> on my shows. Um, because I needed to be close to the front door in case they needed something, or I needed to be close to the concession stand in case they needed something. You know, I had to, I had to make the line up for the back, you know, and I just felt that I would be taken away from other things by trying to work the show. So I didn't need quite as many people. Um, I used mainly some family members, would, uh, you know, like my wife would run the front door. Uh, now, these are, now of course, this is not when we were teenagers. Uh, this is later on when I started promoting on my own. Um, I would have my wife and maybe my daughter at the front door or my wife at the front door and my daughter and my daughter-in-law would run concessions or my mom would be there to help out any way she could. Um, I had a couple brothers and sisters that would come and help me set up and tear down. But um, as far as setting up and tearing down, you usually had, I want to say, young guys that would show up and usually help set up and tear down, just hoping to get a spot on the show. So that always helped, you know. Um, so I, I maybe I would say five or six people that actually helped me on show night, you know, and most of them were family. Um because I, I was a hands-on, and, I, you know, I handled some of it myself, so I didn't need quite as many people. Uh, Stephen Price, our guest here. We've got about uh, 20 minutes here, Stephen. So you pretty much uh, answered this next question, but I'm going to go ahead and ask it anyway because I'm kind of curious about your promotional style uh, when it comes to during the show. So are you more of a Vince McMahon where you send the, uh, you know, you send your troops out there, or are you like a Paul Heyman? who uh, wants to be involved but not really? Or are you more like a Triple H who's going to screw over the top guy if he gets uh, if he gets more of a pop than you? <laughs> well, uh, since I don't work my own shows, um, I didn't really care if they got a great pop because I wasn't working the shows, so I didn't feel like that there was any – I was in competition. <clears throat> I wanted any of my guys to that got a good pop, I listened. Because if they got a great pop, that I knew I wanted to bring that guy back. You know, uh, when I was awesome. running the show, when I was running the show, I was listening for guys who sold tickets. I used to laugh and say, you know, people say, oh, you promote wrestling? I'm like, nope. They said, you don't. I was like, no, I mean, we have wrestling. I said, but I'm in the ticket selling business. And then they would kind of chuckle after they, you know, they got what I meant. Um uh, but that's the truth. I, I'm in the business to sell tickets if I'm running the show. Um, 
I'm not in the business of holding anybody down or, or any of that stuff because it doesn't make me a dime to do that. Um, so at the time, I was like, only running like twice a year, so you know because I would use sponsors, um, and you couldn't hit your sponsors up more than twice a year, or they wouldn't be your sponsor anymore. So, so it's kind of like what Ted Turner, when he called Vince Man, he said, hey, Vince, I'm in the wrestling business. And Vince said, well, well, that's great, but I'm in the entertainment business. You're in the business to sell tickets and make money for your promotion. You're not yes, in Yes, I'm it. in the ticket selling business. That's right. That's right. I'm in the ticket selling business. And we just happen to have wrestling shows there. Um, I, I, I always tried to use quality guys, which always helped. In my opinion, it helped to sell the show because I usually only ran close to where I lived. So the people knew that when they saw me hanging the posters or the, they knew I was advertising, that it was going to be good, you know, because since I, I ran it close to home, I didn't want any junk because, you know, I had to see these people that I sold a ticket to on a regular basis. And I didn't want to bump into them in the store, and they're like, oh, that, that show you had us to, man, it was terrible. You know, that did not happen on my watch because, like I said, I had to live in that area. So I, I listened for that stuff. I tried to use the, the best guys that I could get around. Not, I didn't use someone, you know, if somebody messaged me and said, hey, man, I work for free, then automatically you didn't work because I figured, exactly. you know, hey, if you're, if you're working for free, I, then there's a reason. You know, I don't need you. You know. Um, well, well. With that being said, uh, we're going to bring Granny Hulkster in. Uh, we got just even probably we got 16 minutes. Uh, Granny, he knows a friend of yours, beautiful Bobby. What do you got for our guest, Stephen? Probably we got 16 minutes. Go ahead. Well, beautiful Bobby Eaton is pretty awesome. I mean, I got to get got to get to meet him when traditional championship wrestling was running in Arkansas. Right. And, uh, of course, I've met Ricky and Robert on several different occasions, and I love yeah, their, I live, their, I live their, about their, an hour they're, from Ricky. They're my, favorite, yeah. they're, they're my favorite tag team, of course. So. Yeah, I live about I've an hour had, from Ricky. Yeah. Yeah. I've never had the opportunity <laughs> to ever get to meet Bobby Fulton, but I remember the Fantastics. I remember, I mean, oh, I'm Bobby's friends. Oh, a great guy. Um, yeah. He's going through some cancer stuff, you know, uh, yeah, with his throat. He is. He he's is. Stuff. He's, yeah. he's, uh, he's been run through the ringer, but uh, he's still kicking, you know. Yeah, he is. And so as, he's awesome And guy. as a cancer survivor myself, I mean, that's, that's all you can do when, you know, when it happens. You just keep a positive attitude and keep going. Yep. You, you have to keep on, keep on going. That's right. And he's he's gonna be he's gonna fight through it, you know. I've got one of my good independent wrestling friends. I mean, he's one of the biggest heels I know, but I love him to death. I call him Crybaby Bobby. He goes by Bone Crusher Bobby Burns, and he found out he's got um, a really very bad type of colon cancer right now. So yeah, he kind of had to hang up the boots. He had kind of had to yeah, hang up the terrible. boots and. You know, and so we're all praying for him, but I know he's going to fight through it. So, um, yeah, but this is awesome to have you back on the show with us again, you know, so. Yeah, I think I, I think I spoke with you uh, on another podcast for my uh, good buddy, the Stro. Yes. Did you call him for Maestro, that? Yep. Think, yep. Yes. Yes. Uh, I think I, I remember that. 
I remember that. Now. Yep. Sure do. Mm-hmm. Yep. So. See, I, I was, uh, like I said, I grew up and I lived in the Carolinas up until maybe two years ago. And now I'm mm-hmm. in the Knoxville, Tennessee area. So. Yep. So yep. I'm learning all these guys up here now, but I'm still loyal to my Carolina guys. Uh, you know, I love those guys. Oh, yeah. And, uh, Maestro's Great one of my guys, guys down so. there. He's, he's one of my yep. guys. Yep. He's pretty awesome guy, so awesome, awesome. Yeah, but we're really glad to have every you. Time you see him. Yeah, he's got the best attitude every time you see him. He's smiling. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and, I mean, he's done everything, you know. Uh, he's done wrestling, you know, independent acting. level. And, and <laughs> I mean, WCW, he's done you, acting. You he's, name it. He's done you everything. name it. I think he's, done, he's done it. I think he's done it. I think he's done it, so. Yeah, the only thing he, I don't think he's done is made an album yet, and he's probably working on that. We just don't know it. Hey, who knows? I mean, he'll surprise us. He'll surprise us all one day with that album, and he'll say, "Hey, yeah. I got an album out." Every uh, I think that's the only thing he hasn't done yet. So I think um, so. Uh, so. Uh, Stephen Price, our guest here, we've got about uh, thirteen minutes. Uh, and one thing I, I do want to touch on, we won't spend uh, too much time on it because it is kind of depressing, but, you know, I think we're starting to, you know, turn the corner a little bit. But, uh, you know, there is that COVID-19 thing out there. And uh, if you could just touch on it briefly, uh, how has COVID affected uh, your promotion? Have you had to blank out shows to a certain date? Uh, have you had shows canceled, postponed, it'll be rescheduled? Well, How is this I haven't, um, I probably haven't ran in two years. Um, but, you know, of course, one of those was, um, one of those was because, definitely because of COVID. Um, now, this year will make the second year, and I think um, July will be two years. Um, and when I moved to Knoxville, there's so much going on up here that I'm probably not going to, I'm maybe done actually myself running shows, but I've had a lot of uh, bookings canceled. Um, And the main company I work for RWA in uh, North Carolina, they just announced uh, we're coming back in May. So, um, restrictions are getting better there. Uh, They're easing. Uh, case numbers are going down, <clears throat> and as the vaccine's rolling out, people, more people are getting vaccinated, which is good. I've already received my first um, my first vaccination. Uh, I go for my second one at the end of April, so I'll be fully covenated by then, and I'll be ready to, you know, go out and party in bars and and all that crazy stuff because I'll have my shots. <laughs> That's what I joke with people, you know, but. Seriously, um, it's really it's getting better um, if people would just listen. I mean, basically listen. They're they're not doing this. They're not telling you this stuff to, because they want to control you or anything like that. It's serious. People are losing their lives. Um, we just had uh, a staple in East Tennessee wrestling just passed away. I think four days ago. He'd been in the hospital for like three weeks, maybe four. Um, they actually had to put him on a ventilator and, and put him uh, in a coma for a little while. And then he came off of that. He was doing great. And all of a sudden, you know, a stroke hit him from complications from that. Um, so it's serious. You know, it's serious. Um, but as more people are getting vaccinated, people are listening. Um, case numbers are going down. And 
shows are coming back now. Um, I know uh, North Carolina was one of the tightest uh, on, you know, with restrictions. And now they're easing up, and shows are starting to come back in North Carolina again. So hopefully, I want to say by the fall, everybody should, you know, be close to full, going full uh, strength again. Uh, as far as so, shows being um, everywhere and, every, and stuff like that. So with, with that being said, then, you uh, you said that you're not promoting any shows. So uh, are you going to, uh, as a wrestling term, are you going to pass the torch per se? Or are, are you know, it'd be kind of hard, uh, in my in my opinion, it'd be kind of hard to just uh, not be involved in some way after being involved this long. Oh, no, no, I still manage. Um, I still manage. Uh, I take bookings as a manager. So I still work shows. I just don't run my own. Um, so I'm still, you know, I'm still involved. Um, I still uh, take bookings at shows. And actually, even with the COVID, um, last year I was voted by my peers uh, for the Carolina Wrestling Awards page, Facebook page, as the manager of the year for 2020. Um, we did have reduced bookings last year, but I, I guess I worked enough that I, my peers felt as though I deserved the award. So I haven't received the award yet. So I'm guessing that maybe in May when I go back to work that uh, I'll, I'll get the plaque then maybe. But um, so I'm still, I'm still active as far as working shows. Um, I've done a few here in Tennessee since I've came up, but, you know, right after we moved here, the COVID shut everything down. So I haven't really got out in Tennessee much because, you know, everything shut down right after I got here. But um, well, I still you know, am actively, actively working, yes. Well, you know, Steve, you'll be fine as long as they don't have pla- a plaque on a pole match that you have to climb the pole to get your plaque. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. No. <laughs> Oh, gosh. <laughs> now when I go to shows, I'm like, do y'all have ring steps? They're like, yes, I'm like, good. You know, <laughs> I turned 52 this year. You know, I'm, I'm not about all that all that stuff anymore. <laughs> and uh, you, you, have a, you have a great saying. Maybe you can, uh, uh, maybe you can plead for me. Uh, it starts out, you can sacrifice. I'll let you take it from there. Oh yeah, you can sacrifice everything, and, and but you will never be as good as the greatest wrestling manager alive, Steve Brock. I mean, uh, there you go. I, I don't, you know, uh, it's a uh, kind of a motto. Um, I call myself the greatest wrestling manager alive, in which you know that's debatable in some uh, circles. But hey, if you don't, if you if you go into this not thinking you're the best, then why are you in it? Exactly. You know, I mean, if you don't if you don't think you're the best, then why are you trying? Then why? Then what are you doing? Um, and would you be willing to uh, let us know who you manage? Yes. Um, right now, um, I work in the company for RWA in uh, North Carolina. Um, I manage the heavyweight champion there, the living legacy Timothy Zabisco, who is the son of Larry Zabisco, the grandson of Vern Gagne. Uh, so he has, you know, he has the line- you know, the lineage behind him. Is is tremendous. Um, I also manage uh, a couple of really nice young guys that are great. Um, Zuka King and Chris Vallow. They uh, were trained by 
um, Bob Keller in Columbia, South Carolina. He also trained uh, John Schuyler, who you can see on AEW Dark every week. So um, I've got some good guys coming there, um, you know, there. And we uh, we worked with Lance Archer the January before COVID shut everything down, you know. Uh, I think he showed up in AEW in March, and uh, we worked with him in, in January that year, uh, 2019, I think. Or no, it was 2020 because it was right after, right after that COVID. Yeah, so it was last year. Now, uh, do you think uh, you uh, might be able to hook us up with uh, the guys that you manage? Maybe they might want to be on the show with us? Uh, it's quite possible. Um, I can uh, I can talk to Timothy or message him and uh, put you in contact with him and see, you know, see if he'll, see if he'll do it. That would be I awesome can, uh, to let him know that uh, – They'll get a uh, they'll get a cool collector's card made for them like I made for you. Awesome, yeah, we can do that. I'll uh, I'll message him and and, uh, and try to put you guys together and see if you can work something out. And then uh, we're also uh, and uh, real quick here, I'll let you do this here. Uh, I'm going to announce this real quick. And once again, this week uh, to all our listeners, we have the contest going uh, from the end of the show to the beginning of next show. Anybody that likes our page on Facebook, off the ropes. Uh, will automatically uh, go into a drawing and qualify for a uh, autograph uh, for either this week's guest or last week's or whatever. Uh, you know, for uh, we're going to be doing this contest uh, till the beginning of uh, till the beginning of S- September. So uh, whoever likes our, our page uh, can go on there and be qualified to win an autograph for one of our our past guests. And uh, we're wondering. Uh, if uh, you uh, w- if you yourself would be willing to send us a few autographs for giveaways, uh, uh, for those that I, I sure would. Uh, actually, I, I remember you messaging me about this now, and I've just been very slack about doing that. Um, <laughs> but I will try to get that out um, this week if you can uh, message me your address. I will try to I will yeah. try to get that out this week. Uh, I have to go back to North Carolina. Uh, my daughter is making me a grandfather again this week. So uh, oh, congratulations. Yeah, well, thank you. Um, so we're going in uh, for that Wednesday because she's scheduled to go Thursday. Uh, you know, if nothing happens between now and then. Um, and I mean, you know, you know if she don't go early, if she don't go early, she's scheduled to, to, they're scheduled to go get the baby on Thursday. So we'll be in North Carolina for like a week. So I'll try to get that out to you tomorrow if you can message me that address. Sure. Uh, do you know if it's going to be a boy or a girl yet? Uh, a girl. Yeah. Okay. So and that'll make, just for my daughter, that'll make gonna... three girls and one boy. Uh, I was going to say, if it's going to be a boy, you can pitch the first name icon, but that probably might not go over too well. Yeah, uh, they've named, they've actually named all of their kids uh, with the first letter of K, all their names, um, which I don't know what that was about, but hey, you know, that's... Uh, I don't have to remember all, you know, I'm not the one that's going to be calling them, you know, like that all the time. So, but that's what they wanted. Hey, you know, so I don't think it would have fit into their uh, program. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Uh, So uh, we got, we got about, uh, we got about 120 seconds here left with you real quick here. If our fans want to check you out and see what you're doing, you got a Facebook, an Instagram, a YouTube, a Twitter, a Twitch, a GoFundMe. I have a, uh, I mainly do um, I mainly do Facebook. 
Um, I have an Instagram, uh, which is uh, Stephen Fry. Um, actually, I'll, I'll tell you exactly what it is. I'll, I'll pull it up while we're talking. Yeah, Stephen Fry, the greatest wrestling manager alive. Um, I have a Twitter also, which I rarely use, but it's uh, also, like, I think the greatest wrestling manager alive, I believe. Um, I'm going to be, if anyone is in North Carolina, I'm going to be at um, the Revolution Wrestling Authority show on May. Hold on, I'm pulling it up. At Starcade, it is on. Well, shoot, I know it's here. <laughs> it's, uh, this the event is Starcade. Um, Jimmy Valiant is his last cage match is going to be on that show. Um, oh, wow! Sunday May Sunday May the sixteenth and. Uh, Burlington, North Carolina. Um, so look that up, RWA Starcage 2021. That will be my next show. Um, Mike Orlando from, is coming in from Florida. Um, Jimmy Valiant, Timothy Zabisco, Chance Prophet. Um, there's a lot of good guys there. Be a lot of good guys. Um, and and our, the RWA shows are always fun. Uh, they always sell out, and especially in the day of COVID, their you know le- seating will be limited. So I know this will sell out. Um, awesome. So that's the next place that I, I'll be. Um, All right. Well, I'll tell you what. We appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to join us and hooking uh, up with uh, your guys, and uh, we'll definitely have you guys all on again. I sure will. Uh, and you guys have a great night. Thanks for having me. Thanks, buddy. Have right. a good night. Ah, you too. Awesome. All right. Man, that was an awesome interview. Uh, well, I'll tell you what. Uh, um, I think you're speechless, Icon. <laughs> well, yeah, I uh, something happened. Um, um So that was an awesome uh, uh, interview. Our guest, I, I, our guest, I think, was on, uh, but uh, something happened with the board, and uh, it kind of flickered on us, and uh, I think it uh, disconnected our. Okay, here we go. Oh second. no! All right, ladies and gentlemen, stepping onto the green room and walking down the aisle, the promoter. Of the evening, the second promoter of the night, but between the two, he is the current greatest promoter there is right now. I give you Gary Dameron. Hey, guys. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing great. Doing great. Thank you guys for asking me on tonight. All right, if you want to do that liner real quick, then we'll uh, have okay, some fun yes, in the interview. That's what I was, <clears throat> okay, I, I will do that. Hey, guys, this is Gary Dameron from All-Star Wrestling in West Virginia, and you're listening to the Attitude Era Live with the host, the Icon, the Big Swing, and Granny Hulkster. Well, hey, Gary, thank you for taking time on your schedule. We have uh, Gary Dameron uh, with us. We have uh, 29 minutes here. Uh, if you want to give us a little background about yourself, then we'll have some fun in the interview. Sure. 
I started out uh, promoting actually gospel music back when I was a young boy. I was 17 years old, and uh, I promoted uh, gospel music concerts all over West Virginia, Kentucky. Uh, We went out, and I probably averaged probably about 150 concerts over a nine-year period and uh, got to know a lot of people and got to meet a lot of people and learned a lot of things, learned how to be a promoter. And uh, one night I was watching a religious television program, and I saw Ted DiBiase on there. And he was talking about how he was out doing appearances and doing different types of shows. And I thought, man, you know, this can't be much different than promoting, you know, the events that I'm promoting now. I thought, well, yeah, I'm going to inquire about this and see if maybe I can get some contacts and maybe become a wrestling promoter. And I got in touch with a few guys, talked to Ricky Morton of the Rock and Roll Express and talked with George South and some of these guys and just just got kind of got to, you know, figuring out how it's done. And next thing you know, I'm 15 years later, here I are. So I've worked with just about anybody and everybody you can think of. Um, so with, with uh, that being said, with your uh, tenure in the business, uh, do you, uh, would you happen to uh, say uh, that you have uh, one highlight that you're really proud of, uh, or have you not hit a big highlight yet? You know, I do. I've actually um, we have two um, a car lot. You know, one of the main, one of the best things about doing any kind of a you know business or anything is is you making contact with people and making and, and making sure that you leave a good impression with them. You know what I'm saying? So this car lot, there's a, this guy that runs a uh, local car dealership, and he has TV commercials and. He's very obnoxious in his commercials, and I can remember one day my uncle was watching, and he was like, you know what? I hate that guy. He said, he's so annoying, and I thought, you know what? He would be a perfect wrestling personality just because he's so you know, obnoxious. People would probably you know, pay to go see him get beat up or, you know, and so I contacted him, and turns out, He's a big wrestling fan. So I invited him to come to one of our shows, and we let him and you know be a part of one of the matches, and we advertised his business. Well, you know, he really enjoyed it and had a great time. So after that show, he felt like he wanted to kind of have an event at his car dealership. So he calls me up one day, and he's like, hey, I want to do a – a wrestling show here at the car lot, you know, I'd, I want and I'm thinking, okay, well, he'll probably want some, you know, the local guys and maybe give me enough money to maybe book a Hacksaw Jim Duggan or somebody. And I said, okay. I said, well, what exactly are you thinking? And he said, oh, he said, I want Ric Flair. And I was oh, like, oh my God, oh, you know, oh, that's, not asking for much, is he? <laughs> oh my Lord. And, I told him straight up, I said, dude, I mean, that's going to cost you. I mean, Ric Flair is not reasonable, you know, as far as money. He's not cheap. He's expensive. (laughs) He's very expensive. And he told me, he said, oh, he said, that's not an issue. Of course, we are talking about a guy who owns a big car dealership. So, you know, if they sell one car, that paid for 
you know, that well enough paid for Ric Flair. So he's like, okay. He said, well, you get me the inform, you know, you you book it and you let me know how much he costs and all that. And he said, you know, we'll we'll do this. So I got a hold of Flair's agent and uh, I went back to him and I said, okay, this is what it's going to cost. And he's like, okay. He said, uh, well, let's do it. And I'm thinking, are you serious? You know, this is – so we, we ended up doing it. Not only did we book Ric Flair, but we also booked Ricky the Dragon Steamboat on the same the same event. So oh, I had awesome. Flair and Steamboat together, and that event really put us on you – know, that really put us on the map as far as getting people to pay attention to us. And, you know, in this business, it's all about – getting the respect of the fans. You know what I'm saying? If if you don't have the respect of fans, then you're going to struggle. So A fan can either make you or they can break you. Sure, absolutely. And if you don't have and I only support, say, And I only say that because I'm one of the biggest wrestling fans. I love wrestling, and I have met sure. some of the most amazing stars over the years, I mean, Hacksaw, Jim Duggan, Tommy Dreamer, Jake Roberts, I mean, the list goes on. Ricky and Robert, you know, I, yeah. I've met so many amazing people, you know. Um, I know I was part of, well, I didn't get to go the, to that particular show, but they were supposed to have Rick Flair, and I think he got sick or something, and he had to cancel, like, pretty much, like, the day before the show, or something to that effect, and a lot of people were so angry and so upset at the promoter because we right. couldn't be there, and they were like demanding their money back, and they're like, "Okay, you know, you know, you all get." And I mean, they ended up bringing in Lex Luger, you know, instead, but. Which I was really upset at because I would have loved to have met Lex Luger, but yeah, I'm I'm sure. a huge wrestling fan. I lo- and I don't like the heels, and I mean I can talk some pretty good smack to the heels when I have to. But I, <laughs> my husband and I have met Ricky Steamboat. We we met him about three or four years ago at a. Uh, they were doing a up in Lebanon, Missouri. They were doing a a race thing at the racetrack, and my friend who is uh, beautiful Bobby Eaton's booking agent, uh, was doing some, they had a little wrestling thing set up that night, and they did about like three or four matches that night at the racetrack. It was pretty cool. Oh, wow. That's it. Uh, That's cool. uh, Gary Gamron's our guest here. We've got about uh, 20 minutes here with Gary. You know, and Gary, I hope you won't uh, take this the wrong way, but, you know, I I love your speech patterns. You know, you (laughs) have that... You, you you know you do have that that minister type of speech pattern you know that that uh, okay. and that's not a bad thing and I actually love it right. you, know, you, you know now let me ask you this now with with being a promoter and we're going to talk about that in a second but you you got to be a fan of Brother Love are you not Oh absolutely you know I actually bought him in a couple years ago and I told him as soon as soon as we picked him up and we went and had lunch together. I said, man, listen, to me, that brother love character, it he nailed it. I mean, you know, there's nothing more villain than a TV evangelist. You know what I'm saying? I mean, 
they are obviously just, you know, they're just there for the money. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, I'm sure there's some good ones out there. I'm not, I'm not going to say all of them's bad, but, you know, the Brother Love character really nailed that whole, you know. So, yes, I was a big fan of Brother Love. You know, my favorite uh, my favorite Brother Love, Love saying is, and I, I, it's going to be a bad impression, but just because I love you doesn't mean I like you. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> that's not bad, actually. <laughs> so, but another uh, time, you... and I've got to mention this, another Go ahead. big thing that happened for me was uh, back in 2017, you remember when the Hardys were doing the thing on TNA where they were doing the expedition of gold or they were going out trying to get all the gold they could in all the different yep. areas. Yep. Okay, yep. we were actually a part of that. My show was a part of that. Um, I had Matt booked on that January, and he calls me right before Christmas, and he says, hey, he says, um, would you care if I brought my brother with me uh, to do this this filming said we're going to film a match at your show, and now, said, now before uh, you before you continue on that, I, I bet you're like, well, geez, I'm going to have to think about that for a second, right? Well, <laughs> I I started thinking, oh my God, I can't afford Jeff Hardy. You know, he's he's going to be almost like Ric Flair. There's no way I could afford that. So I'm sitting there thinking, oh my God, I'm going to have to say no because I can't afford it. And, I told him, I said, man, I said, I would love to. I said, but I just can't, I just don't have it in the budget. He said, oh, you don't have to pay him. He said, TNA's going to cover it. said, because all they're wanting is for us to come in and do the filming so they could use on their TV program. And, of course, I was like, oh, my gosh, you know, you – you're going to bring Jeff Hardy to my show and me not have to pay him? And he was like, yeah, it's the TNA's going to cover it. And I was like, okay, let's definitely do that. So we did it. We drew about 800 people, which is really big for us, you know, 800. That's a great crowd for West Virginia. And uh, that was on TV, and that was actually the Hardy Boys' last appearance on Impact Wrestling. Awesome. Wow. Gary uh, yeah. Cameron's our guest here. We got 18 minutes. So, being a promoter, uh, I'm kind of curious about your promote, promotion style. Are you like a uh, Vince McMahon that kind of stays in the background and sends out the troops? Are you like a Paul Heyman uh, who's, uh, who's kind of out there but still lets the guys do their thing? Or are you more like a Triple H who will screw over the top guy if he gets bigger than you? I don't really play a character on my show, but I do. Everybody knows that I'm the promoter. You know, everybody that comes to my show knows that I'm the promoter. So uh, I do like that just because, uh, you know, like I say, you know, a lot of people like to have a face when they're going to, you know, they want to know who they're supporting. Like, hey, we're going to wrestling because we love wrestling, but we're also going – because we're supporting a guy who's our friend, you know. So that that's kind of important too. But the only thing I do on my show is I go out and make the announcements. And the only reason I do that is because I think that if there's a different voice doing the announcements, it makes people remember better 
than they would if the ring announcer, because you hear the ring announcer all night long, and a lot of times what he's saying you're going to not even remember. But if if a different voice and a different person goes out and says, hey, I've got an announcement about the next show, that's going to make people remember better than if the ring announcer did it. So so was that was that being said, how many wrestlers do you have in your promotion? We book uh, – you know, I try to switch it up monthly because we, we run monthly. So I try to switch it up. Like we have about – probably about 15 to 20 guys that are regular. And then a lot of times I'll, you know, bring in some guys from North Carolina or bring in some guys from Ohio or, you know, different places like that. Because, you know, you got to make it a little different every now and then. So so, uh, so now you mentioned, you know, you guys run once a month. And, uh, you know, like I say, we don't want to spend too much time on this because it's kind of depressing. But, uh, you know, COVID-19 is, is a thing, and, you know, we talked about that with our last promoter just before you came on, but uh, how has COVID affected uh, what you're doing? Have you had to blank out shows to a certain date, uh, postponed to be scheduled, or tell us how it's uh, played out uh, in your region? Well, last March, I had just had a show with Arn Anderson, and we drew over 500 <clears throat> people with Arn Anderson. And so we had a big anniversary show planned in April, and I was going to bring in Stan Hansen. We were going to bring in Crime Time, who eventually, one of the guys eventually, like a month or two later, passed away. You all remember uh, in the, the accident at the beach, right? Yep. We had them yep. scheduled. So we had to cancel that event, of course. So I had an amazing year planned last year, and we had to cancel all of it because of uh, COVID, but what happened, and this is something that we did, um, you know, about June or July, we started getting a little restless, you know, it's like, hey, I know COVID and we can't really do indoor events, let's try to figure out a way for us to do outdoor events, so our governor had said you could have drive-ins, like concerts could do drive-ins. And I thought, well, shoot, if they can do a drive-in concert and drive-in movies, why can't we do a drive-in wrestling show? So we actually did a whole summer of drive-in shows. And I bought in Vicky Guerrero last summer, uh, brought in Heath Slater, bought in Brian Myers and Ricky Morton. We had a great time. I mean, we... We would go get us an empty lot somewhere, you know, that was kind of secluded, and uh, we would put a ring up in the middle of the lot and park cars all around the ring, and we we did great with that. I mean, we those were some of the best times because it was something different, you know. It was something way different. And then did you have like a big screen up there too, so people could see or? Uh, we didn't did have a work? big screen, but. We did let people sit on top of their cars, which they did. People were bringing blankets and sitting on top of their cars. People would bring lawn chairs and put them in the back of pickup trucks, and you know, and it, it was great. I mean, we we had a great time. So it was it was memories that you know, hopefully, looking back on now, you can say, oh wow, that was something we did that was different. You know that. But hopefully we'll never have to go back to that again. I'm hoping things are kind of behind us now and things are moving in a good direction. I'm hoping. 
So, but uh, Gary Cameron's our guest here. We got about uh, twelve minutes here with Gary. Uh, she kind of popped in a little bit, uh, a little bit ago. Uh, but uh, Granny, what do you have for our guest? We have Gary Cameron. We have twelve minutes. Go ahead. Well, I tell you, I, if I ever made it to your part of the country, I would love to come to one of your shows because. We have a couple of federations that we do here in Arkansas. I'm from Springdale, Arkansas, and then I go to Oklahoma to see some wrestling shows. I have a friend that does um, independent wrestling shows for kids that have childhood cancer. Matter of fact, he's getting ready to do a two-day event um, April 16th and 17th in Owasso for his wife's first cousin's little girl, Grayson, she's 10 years old and she's fighting leukemia and they're going to do a big two-day tournament, you know, for at, w, at Wrestling for a Cause is what the organization is called. So, but I do, okay. I am a big fan. I mean, I have met, like I said, some, a lot of big names over the years. I met Matt Hardy at Traditional Championship Wrestling. They used to run in Arkansas and they quit running in 2013. So I'd never met mm-hmm. Jeff, but I got to meet Matt. He was pretty cool. He was pretty awesome. So, oh yeah. What is yeah. your yeah. What is your most favorite thing about being able to be a promoter? I mean, that you enjoy doing for your business. You know, honestly, I, I say this a lot. Is I was a, growing up. I mean, I was a super big fan as a kid. You know, I love. I, to this day, I'm still that same kid. You know, I still love it. But it's amazing to me that guys that I grew up watching on TV, I, I've gotten to know and work with. And mm-hmm. it's just amazing. I mean, you know, one of my favorite things growing up was, uh, of course, Jim Crockett Promotions, NWA. You know, West Virginia, that that was a big territory for them. So, oh, yeah. you know, I've got to work with uh, Jim Cornette and the Midnight Express. As a matter of fact, me and Dennis Condry are really good friends. I keep up with him uh, quite often, him and his wife. Um, I've got to work with Rock and Roll a dozen times. I've got to work with oh, Ronnie Garner. I love Ricky Garner. and Robert. They're, they're my favorite tag team. Matter of fact, they were here in Alma, Arkansas a couple of years ago doing an autograph signing for um, they were doing a fundraiser thing to for to help veterans get service dogs, and oh, yeah. of course, and of course, you know, by that time, Ricky and Robert were already had been inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame, and Robert he just put his WWE Hall of Fame ring on my finger for the picture. Didn't even ask if I could wear it. He just said, "Granny, here, let's put this on your finger for the picture." And I'm like, "Wow!" <laughs> I'm like. I'm an honorary WWE Hall of Famer. I mean, my my granny shirt, my granny shirt, my original one. I've had this gimmick name for 20 plus years. I had a coworker give me it because I'm a big fan. It says, "What you gonna right. do when Granny Holster goes crazy on you?" <laughs> That's great. That's great. I need to get you. I need to get you to Arkansas to to come to some of our shows here. Here in Arkansas, yeah. I need to get, I need to get you here in Arkansas so we can <laughs> so we can talk wrestling, you know. But I would love oh, yeah. I would love to come to one of your wrestling shows if I ever had the opportunity. I would yeah absolutely I would absolutely love it. I mean, like I said, I a lot of promoters they thank me for coming to the show because I I mean the wrestlers around 
here, like in Arkansas, Oklahoma, Kansas, Texas, I have a lot of friends, you know, in the wrestling business, and I'm not related to any of them, but I consider them all part of my family. And I can, I mean, they'll they'll tell me to sit down and shut up before I break a hip, or they'll say to me, don't you have a curfew at the nursing home, Granny, you know? And I've got one guy here that he's always saying, Granny, have you had your milk today? How's your osteoporosis? I said, first of all, Colt Kilbane, it's osteoarthritis that I deal with. Get it right. There's a difference. <laughs> right. <laughs> I had That's one great. I had one wrestler about four years ago who told me, he says, don't you have a curfew at the nursing home, Granny? And I grabbed my keys out of my purse, and I put my fist up in his face. I said, baby, I don't need no curfew. I got keys to the building, and he ran off screaming. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> uh, Gary Gamer is our guest here. we got about uh, seven minutes here left with Gary. So, uh, so we can do this here real quick. Um, if our uh, if our fans want to check you out and see what you're doing, you got a uh, you got a Facebook, a Instagram, a YouTube, a Twitter, a Twitch, a GoFundMe. What do you got? We do. We, uh, I think on YouTube they can look up uh, All Star Wrestling West Virginia. It's it's actually All Star Wrestling WV. I think I think that's what it is. It, or I tell you what, my Facebook page, of course, is just Gary Dameron. But we also have the All Star Wrestling WV on Facebook. So uh, ASW, maybe it might be a. I'm not exactly for sure. I know that's terrible, but I have some of my buddies take care of the social media pages for me. But uh, but if you find me, you'll find All Star Wrestling. So just look for Gary Dameron from West Virginia, and you'll find you'll find All Star Wrestling. And uh, also, you know, uh, Gary, we have a we have a little contest going on here. Uh, from uh, the end of the show to uh, the beginning of next show, anybody that uh, likes our page, Off the Ropes on Facebook, will be uh, automatically entered into a chance to win uh, some autographs from our guests from this year. Uh, would you be able to send us out a few for giveaways? Sure. I've got a few pictures here that I could send you of some of the guys I've had. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. And then speaking of some of the guys you had, uh, uh, do you have anybody that uh, might be one that might like to do a podcast that might uh, be uh, 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 awesome interviewees? Oh sure, I could I could help you get in touch with just about anybody you can think of. Yeah, well, that's awesome. Now, do you have uh, now you obviously in your promotion you have uh, champions? Obviously, uh, how many different uh, championships do you guys have? I have a heavyweight champion, of course. Then we have tag team champions. I have an X-Division champion. I have a Legends champion. And I have a Boone County, which Boone County is the the main place where we run our show. And uh, that town is so supportive of us that I felt we needed to have a title, you know, for 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 that county. So... We have we have the Boone County title, so yeah. So we have what seven titles, I guess. Is that right? Uh, Let's now, see. Uh, time. Yeah. Uh, I have a now, question. Uh, is your is ahead. your profile picture on the All Star Wrestling West Virginia page? Does that have Tatanka on your flyer? Yes. That's him. Okay. That's me because okay. we've got him Saturday night. Yeah. Oh yeah, I love Tatanka. He's awesome. I got to meet him. 
a couple of years ago at an independent wrestling show, and he was absolutely amazing. And I will, I'm, I'm following that page, just so you know. I just went and like, oh, yeah. followed that page. <laughs> Send me a friend request, too. Yeah. I did. I already did. My real name is Lori Burt, but my profile picture is me flexing my muscles in my granny holster shirt, you know, but it's Lori Burt is my real name and then Granny Holster in parentheses, so. Okay, I got and, you. Uh, and Gary, I do have to apologize to you. Uh, I know you sent me a different picture uh, for your uh, collector's card, but uh, I uh, I just didn't have time to redo it, and I will get it redone for you, uh, but uh, I do apologize. I didn't get that done in time before you appeared on the show. Oh, you're fine. No problem, man. That's no problem. And uh, so when is your uh, next big show? Let us know when it is, where it is, if fans can get tickets. uh, Give us all that good stuff. This Saturday, we're going to be in Hearts, West Virginia. Uh, That's right just a little bit out of Huntington, West Virginia, for those of you that have heard of Huntington. Uh, But we're going to have Tatanka, and uh, a lot of my guys are going to be there. Amazing Maria from up in uh, Tennessee is coming down. Uh, so it's going to be a great show. Tatanka is um, – this is the first time I've ever got to work with him all these years. So I'm looking forward to being with him. And then uh, that starts at 7 o'clock at the Hearts Community Center. We're going to have tickets at the door. You can message me on Facebook or send a message how, to the All-Star Wrestling. And, how much uh, tickets? We can, we can Tickets are $15 for the floor, and general admission is 13 So we kind of – you know, set our prices pretty reasonable. We don't try to get crazy with the ticket prices. So I feel 15 is about the average rate for a wrestling show these days. So, um, yeah, after that, we've got our anniversary show, which will be on May the 8th, and that will be back at our home in Madison, West Virginia. So back on Saturday, May the 8th, we'll be in uh, in Madison, West Virginia. So, That'll be our big 15-year celebration, so we're excited about that. Now, do you know uh, for your Saturday show how many tickets you will have available? Uh, we usually – I mean, we could put as many in there because, I mean, it's a huge old, old-fashioned old gymnasium, so it'll probably hold, I'd say, a good 1,000 people easy. Of course, we know we're, you know, we're not going to expect a 1,000 people to show up, especially with, you know, COVID and everything. We don't. Uh, we could probably at least put a. We could accommodate about four hundred people, you know, easily. So. And uh, uh, the icon's got an ego question here for you. If the icon were to show up uh, to one of your shows, you think maybe uh, you might be able to hook them up with some backstage passes, and uh, you know. Uh, oh, absolutely. He would, he would love to do some uh, guest ring announcing for you. Oh well, you know what? A lot of times I need a ring announcer because. You know, a lot of times something happens or something comes up. We could we could definitely work something out. And the only thing you have to pay him was a couple hot dogs and some autographs of the guys. That's it. Right. Well, that would be good. That would be perfect. <laughs> so, so yeah, uh, Gary Cameron here. We got about uh, we got about thirty seconds here. Uh, I'll tell you what. We do appreciate uh, you taking time out of your schedule. Uh, Hopefully you can send us a few autographs, and uh, hopefully you'll be able to uh, hook us up with some of your wrestlers. I'll be in contact with you, and we would definitely like to have you on again, uh, and uh, we can uh, promote uh, promote more of your events as they come on. 
Sure. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. I've I've had a great time. Thank you. Thanks, Gary. Thanks, Gary. Have a good night, buddy. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you. You too. Thank you, guys. All right, bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. Gary Gamron, ladies and gentlemen, what a great guest he is. I, I like that. You know, I love having promote, promoters on with us because, you know, mm-hmm. you kind of get the ins and outs of the, the, the business or the wrestling business. So I, oh, I, yeah. think, uh, is, I think our next guest is on. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and click him on now. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, stepping out of the green room and walking down the aisle, making his long-awaited turn, return to the Attitude Era Live, the master of brain explosion. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you David Shelton. Well, howdy. It's so nice to be back on your show. Hey, David, how are you? Uh, I am good. It's Dave, but that's okay. All right. Well, welcome, Dave. Good to have you. How are you? (laughs) Uh, That's okay. I don't want to be confused for those David Sheltons that are not me, because I often get confused for them anyway. But um, so cool. I was listening to the last 30 seconds of the previous guest, and I was just watching Joel Hauser not too long ago, one of my favorite guys from L.A. and California, and he sounded just like him. That's awesome. You know, and the other cool thing about uh, going by Dave instead of David, uh, you can save a dollar fifty when you have something uh, personalized because they charge 50 cents per letter. Oh, absolutely. Well, except for me, I'll – I'll charge you the same as David as it per Dave, so don't worry about it. <laughs> I, got, I got you on this one. All right, so here's what we'll do. Uh, kind of refresh everybody's memory, Dave. Uh, if you give us a little background about yourself, kind of refresh everybody's memory about what you do and who you are, then we'll have some fun in the interview here. Okay, awesome. Well, first, it's great to be asked back. Usually, I don't get asked back to things. Usually, I get asked to leave. But it's so nice to be actually like back on your show. That's what you ha- that's what you and I have in common. Oh, absolutely! You know, I've been turned out of so many stores because I don't wear a mask. I wear a shield, and usually they ask me, you know, um, are you here to do some welding? And I'm going, no, I'm here for banana. I'm here for bananas. But you know, if you've got something. <laughs> But uh, I'm, a film television. I'm a film and television writer and a cartoonist, voice actor, musician, author, uh, comedian, and uh, gee, I don't know what else. Now I'm a welder, it seems. But uh, uh, yeah, that's something I do. I was with uh, uh, National Lampoon for seven years. I was with Everybody Loves Raymond, uh, Nickelodeon, Disney, Warner Brothers, uh, a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, Dave, uh, Dave Shelton's our guest here. We have uh, 37 minutes here with David. Or Dave, sorry. I, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to – I apologize if I keep referring back to David, but it's Dave. Okay, I got you. So, uh, you know, in your career, you know, you've uh, – Just, you call, have just call me Jaime. It's fine. Okay. How about Mr. Shelton? <laughs> no, Dave, Dave is fine. I I haven't been Mr. Shelton since the therapy, so. <laughs> <I'm>... 
Well, you know, you uh, you do have a lot of uh, interesting projects uh, uh, in your uh, in your repertoire, uh, but uh, I do like uh, uh, I I do want you to kind of tell us a little bit. Uh, probably my favorite project that you do is uh, uh, brain uh, brain explosion. Can you tell us a little bit more about that. Uh, sure, I actually have a lot of new projects in uh, kind of in the pipeline, but Brain Explosion was a book of a humor book of all my work from National Lampoon from my cartoons to my writings to my little foiblesques and things like that. And I put it all together and I called it Brain Explosion because I've never gotten writer's block, and it, it's pretty amazing. But I think it's because when I was a kid. Um, my vacation spot was my closet. My father says, here, I'll put a poster up on the wall, and you can pretend you're in Hawaii. So I uh, I, I think I developed my uh, creativity very early in life, and it, and it just it, it floods out, and I, I can never turn it off. So uh, that's where that came from. And then I shopped around, and I got a publisher uh, – Bear Manor Press, and they do a lot of celebrity books, and, uh, and they loved it, and it's been doing like really well on Amazon and um, pretty much everywhere else. So, so that's where that came from. But uh, since then, I've been super busy. Uh, Dave Shelton is our guest here. We got 35 minutes with Dave. We, m- we might keep a little longer if uh, they let us go over. I know, I know, I told you we were only have you on for uh, 30 minutes, but. Uh, uh, like I say, our, the chat room is going crazy for your return, so we got some extra questions here uh, that we're going to go over. But uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you Ooh, about a couple of your. Uh, I'm going to ask you about a couple of your past projects. Then I'm going to have. Uh, then we're going to bring Granny Hawkstrand, and then we're going to talk about your new stuff. But uh, a couple of things that uh, our fans might um, uh, remember in my age group. I know that you were part of a great game show back in the day called Double Dare and Finders Keepers. Tell us a little bit about that. Oh, my gosh. You remember those? I uh, sure yeah, do. I was, uh, <laughs> one, one of the first I things I did. I remember Double Dare. Uh, I remember Double Dare. You sound too young to remember Double Dare. But, um, I'm 58 I, years old. <laughs> Well, you hide it well, Granny. So, uh, I'm, pro- I was... I'm proud of my. I'm proud of my age. I really am. I'm proud of my age. So. Oh, me too. I just got carded at the store, but it was by Stevie Wonder. So. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you know he could, he couldn't tell from anyone. But uh, what was great is uh, when I first got out of the University of Florida. And <laughs> Oh my! Keep them coming. <laughs> my favorite sound effect. So um, I decided once I, I got finished University of Florida to study animation back in New York City because I grew up in Jersey. You could probably tell. And um, and so while I was there at the New School studying that, I got an opportunity to work at Nickelodeon and Viacom owned them and MTV. And this is when they were first starting. So um, I started doing artwork for them and some writing, and then I got a chance to work on Double Dare when it started, and I was doing artwork and helping with, you know, design physical challenges, and and then from there I was able to get on to Finders Keepers. And what was uh, your favorite physical challenge that you uh, that you designed? 
well, it was kind of a co-designing thing with some other people, um, like the nose with the slime coming through it. And yeah, called Ticket. Yeah. And, you know, just some of the other things. It's been so many friggin' years, I don't even remember everything I've worked on. But I well, also you know, did a lot awesome. of promotional art for them. Uh, Dave Jell is our guest here. Uh, uh, it doesn't matter what the time. we got uh, 32 minutes of regular time, but we're going to keep a little past because, uh, like I say, our uh, our chat room is going crazy for you because apparently there, uh, one fan, he said he's checking you out on IMDb right now, which is uh, International Movie Database for those of you who are paying attention at home. Uh, but first, what we're going to do before we talk about your new stuff, uh, Granny, uh, what do you have for our guest? We have Dave, uh, Dave Shelton. Go ahead. Well, what was one of your most favorite things that you've ever done, whether when it was working for Nickelodeon or or whatever? I mean, what was one of your most enjoyable things that you've ever done in your career? Um, Probably date night. But uh, (laughs) there was one time because I was – and this is kind of like an interesting sort of rock story because I also was writing at the same time as in New York at Nickelodeon. I was writing for Tiger Beat Magazine, and I was a cartoonist for them. And I was also with Rockville Magazine as a rock journalist. And I had to cover um, a concert down in Asbury Park. So, you know, there was entourages and all these women and everything. And one night we were invited to uh, – to spend the night on the hotel floor that the rock group had um, rented. Well, anyway, I don't know if I was roofing or not, but I wake up the next morning naked in bed with this woman, and she has a smile on her face. And I go, like, what happened? (laughs) And she goes, don't you remember? And I go, oh, yeah, baby, you were great. (laughs) I had no idea what I did, and (laughs) I was (laughs) – I was so – that was the only time that ever happened to me, and I was so glad to get out of there. No, so, wow. you were doing, uh, so you were doing a hangover before a hangover was cool? I guess. I didn't remember it, but I, was, I guess I was there because <laughs> I woke up the next day. <laughs> maybe, uh, it, maybe, it was one, maybe it was one of Cuomo's family. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I I went there. Okay. Uh, like, I, I mean, it's bad, en- it's bad enough. <laughs> it's bad enough. Bill Maher went to my high school. How's that for growing up? Man, I'm gonna have a heart attack before this interview is over. We have uh, Dave Sheldon as our guest here. We have uh, uh, 30 minutes here with Dave. Now, uh, now you said you got a lot of uh, new projects. Uh, uh, kind of cooking on the back burner on the pipeline or whatever they say in radio, uh, uh, radio blase. But uh, uh, let's talk about uh, some of the uh, your current projects that uh, you want uh, to grab people to gravitate towards. Okay, but you know, in answer to Granny's question, seriously, I've worked on so many amazing things. I'm just so grateful that I've had the opportunity to to do what I do. And I never take anything for granted. So there's just so many things that I've loved working on. Uh, Now, with with that, as far as current 
and, you know, and that's like being a conservative in Hollywood too. I'm, you know, I'm still working on stuff, which is great. But I did have to leave LA um, to move to West Virginia. So what I did is after 30 years in LA, I decided to move to West Virginia because I moved my ex-girlfriend to New Jersey. I mean, who does that, right? And then um, I got a job as a reporter because I just kind of want to take a break for a little while. I have two shows on Amazon Prime. One's called Against Type, and it's a sitcom, and the other one's called Professor Creepy Screen Party, and that's kind of like a kid's horror show. So they're both available on Amazon Prime, and I'm working on getting full commitments for series on them. But... uh, I thought, you know, with everything going on in L.A., I got out at the right time, and I moved to Sistersville, West Virginia, which is one of the most haunted towns in the world, or at least in the country and stuff. And uh, since I've been here, I started a syndicated radio show called Cemetery Go-Go, starring the Groovy Grave Creeper, and that was on WRSC-FM 91.5, and it's now switching to a super station in June, and it's going to be airing there. I have a new children's book called Bad Boy and Street Club, and that's on Amazon, and it's already been winning awards. And we're going to be doing some convention appearances coming up for that. Uh, oh, I'm going to be running for state delegate here in West Virginia next year. Are, so you, uh, willing to, uh, are you willing to tell us what party? Yeah, the um, well, it's the Republican Party, but I call it the MAGA Party. And um, I even, like, contacted President Trump to see if he'd endorse me and any, any of the other, like, conservatives. That's why it's like, you know, people are trying to cancel culture everything. And I just say, you know what, screw with everything else that's going on out there. We need to kind of, like, stop all of that and just let people be themselves. Like with all this cancel culture, like now Captain Underpants is being taken out. Did you hear that one? Yeah, and that, you know, let, let's talk about this for real, uh, real quick. The, I mean, they're taking off Captain Underpants. You know what is really upsetting me? They are cut, cutting out the Pepe Le Pew scene from the new uh, Space Jam movie. Absolutely, and I have a connection to Space Jam because not only it worked on Warner Brothers, but um, Albert Haig, who wrote How the Grinch Stole Christmas, all the music for it, and he was in fame. He was the psychiatrist in the first Space Jam. So, right. you know, what, what they're doing, the character is so freaking ridiculous between Dr. Seuss and this, and then stand up. Com- it's so hard to do comedy anymore because everyone's just going to blast you unless you're criticizing conservatives. Uh, Dave Shelton's our guest here, and uh, hey, this is this is uh, this is going to be an awesome uh, conversation. We're going to have fun with this. Uh, so now, actually, uh, oh, and, and to be pol- and just quickly to be politically incorrect. Oh, I like the Chinese food too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know. I don't know what you're still complaining about. Chinese great people. I'm uh, I'm just gonna put that one on the shelf. Uh, I actually have a, I actually have a little I, I actually have a little uh, I actually have a little joke uh, uh, um, uh, they, um, that Chris Farley once told on uh, Saturday Night Live. It, uh, you know which one I'm referring to when he said, "You know, uh, the Chris Farley likes himself a little Hong Kong pui, you know." 
Yeah, see, that's when people weren't so friggin' uptight about everything. It was just so ridiculous. And, I mean, I'm not just like Dave uh, or Dov, however you pronounce his name, from Captain Underpants. You know, like, like he's apologizing for what he did. I will never apologize for being politically incorrect as a humorist or a cartoonist or as an author, because that's that's what's destroying our country. So, um, so that's why you know, I, even Brain Explosion was called racist because of some of the cartoons in it. Really? Oh well, my God! Know, there was okay. one I did. There, there's I, just I, one I cartoon I did on um, on these. This, these two hunters and they were in the woods and this alien from outer space is there and one of the hunter goes to the other one and he goes, don't worry, Jake, this one's got papers. And that was called racist because it was an alien. Really? See, now, I know. Uh, we, we don't, we don't want to, of course, we're not going to turn our show into a political discussion here because, uh, you know. Uh, but, oh, that's okay. I, I'm, 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 done. That, I, I'm done with that. No, I'm, I'm just saying that uh, to me, and this is just my opinion, uh, being politically correct has gone way out of, uh, out of bounds. Uh, I'm just going to say that. We'll move on. But uh, here's, what I, here's what I would like to do, Dave, if you would. Uh, do you plan on having uh, bumper stickers or campaign buttons or anything like that? Oh, yeah, I'm going to have uh, everything. Uh, the primary doesn't start till later this year, but I just registered – for pre-certification for the candidacy, and now I could start going out and do fundraisers. So I'm going to start doing that here in um, West Virginia in my district. Well, here, here's a, here's what I'm going to ask. Uh, you know, and you 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 were nice enough to send us autographs uh, and stuff before, uh, and our listeners that got those uh, were very appreciative. As a matter of fact, they're all listening right now. Uh, but I was just wondering if you if you could, uh, you know, we started a, a new way to do the contest now. Uh, anybody listening uh, uh, that starts liking our page, Author Oats, from the end of the show to the beginning of the next show, gets qualified to uh, win uh, an autograph or some memorabilia from uh, uh, our guests from the past year when we when we do the giveaways. But would you be willing to uh, send me a, a few autographed political buttons and stuff that I can use for giveaways? I would be very happy to. Awesome. Well, what you, I'll do you is I'll – uh, You know what you could do? <laughs> you could send them to Antifa. And they can burn them. <laughs> my oh my! <laughs> I'll probably I'll probably get more more votes that way. That's awesome. Well, I'll tell you what you you have my uh, full support, Dave, and uh, you know uh, we might even uh, have to uh, let you uh, put uh, some of your political stuff uh, on our Facebook page, and we'll promote you. Uh, I don't know if that'll get you any more votes. But it couldn't hurt. Well, no, that's true. Well, no, I I appreciate. It. I just felt I needed to do something because you know so many. I I care so much about the country and free speech and and Second Amendment and, and everything, and it's just getting so turned down. And for me, as a writer and cartoonist, the biggest thing has been getting all of our our free speech and our ability to express ourselves being stifled and controlled. And, uh, and it's the same, it's the same in movies. I've written a whole bunch of new film projects and I'm having like a hard time uh, working with producers because they're only looking for minority projects. 
Well, this uh, this uh, next project of yours I'm going to ask you about will lead to my next question. Uh, you did a, a thing called uh, Dolls in Quarantine. Uh, I'm going to have you talk about that, but my first question before you talk about that is, uh, you know, uh, we won't spend too much time on it, but, uh, you know, we have COVID out here, obviously. Let me let, let us know, you know, uh, how COVID has affected oh, you mean the uh, Chinese, what you're doing you mean here. The Chinese virus? Right, exactly. What, how has COVID affected you, if at all? Well, I mean, I live by the Ohio River, and it's a small town, but, I mean, it's had cases, and, I mean, this is kind of sad even out here. Uh, where I live, there's a lot of elderly people, and they had a Santa this past Christmas who had had COVID, and his wife was one of the caretakers for some of the people here. They brought it into my building and then contaminated a whole bunch of them. And then I, I got, like, a mild case of it, but I only had symptoms for one day. Wow. Is that how you came up with dolls in quarantine? Or did you think, of, think about that before? Oh, I, I produced that before. I was living at the Wells Inn when I first got here to write, and it's a haunted classic historical hotel here in Sistersville. And uh, what is it? Um, this horror site had put out a contest of, want people to do movies where they're quarantined. So I really didn't have too many people that wanted to be in the film. So I thought it was just to be where you live. So I just took some of the dolls that I had and put together this little homemade movie using House on Haunted Hill as a backdrop for it. And, uh, oh, wait, it's called Kings of Horror are the ones that sponsored it. And I entered the film and it, it made it to the finals, and and then I won some awards for it. I was really kind of psyched about it. And then uh, the other project I want to ask you about is, uh, I know you only did one episode of it, but Around the World in 80 Screams? Oh, Around the World in 80 Screams was part of Roku, and that it was part of their – it was another horror network, and they were interested in Professor Creepy's Scream Party, which I had only done one episode, but – uh, we were going to launch that into a series, and I had gotten an LOI letter of intent from uh, Retro TV, and I almost had the funding to produce a full season. And we uh, wound up getting picked up by them, and then they aired an interview with me, and then also the show itself. And it became, for 2018, the top-rated independent show on Roku for Halloween. That's awesome. Uh, Dave Shelton's our guest here. we got uh, 18 minutes left of uh, regular time, and uh, we'll see if they'll let us go over. If not, well, that's how much time we got left. But, uh, you know, there's a, there's a – yeah, right. There's a, uh, there's a couple of questions in our, in our chat room. Uh, can, you, can I ask you a few questions that the, our fans are asking you right now? Oh, absolutely. You can do whatever you want. Okay. Uh, let's see. Someone's <laughs> asking about something called the Search of Snuggy Bear. Oh, In Search of Snuggy Bear. Snuggy Bear is a character. Wow, that's dating back. I did that in 2000. I mean, in yeah, in 2000 or even earlier. Uh, that was a friend of mine, Jeff Delman, who had worked on uh, some independent horror movies. He wanted to take my character, Snuggy Bear, and I had a walk-around produced 
uh, based on the cartoon character, and he said, why don't we make this into like a, a funny documentary type thing where Snuggy Bear is a bear that lives in an apartment and just basically going around following him around during the day. And it, it was really funny, and I wound up playing Snuggy Bear, and I had gotten my friend Erwin Keyes from the Flintstones and the Jeffersons and House of a Thousand Corpses. I got him to be in it, and, who, and he's also in Professor Creepy. And um, I was dating Kelly Maroney at the time, and so I got her to be in and play Snuggy's girlfriend. And, uh, and the Zima guy, the guy who was the Zima guy, uh, we got him because, you know, I got all my friends and uh, Earl Kress, who was one of the writers for oh, uh, um, Pinky and the Brain and stuff. So it, it was really kind of a fun project. And that that's where that came from. We filmed it in Studio City in Burbank. So, uh, and, yeah. Uh, I, yeah, if I recall also the last, I, I believe it was you, correct me if I'm wrong, because uh, I am a lot, according to our, our listeners. But uh, the last time you're on, I, I think we talked about uh, there is one uh, a actress in Hollywood that you and I both have a major crush on, uh, Dana Barron. Oh my God, Dana is one of the coolest people I have ever known and stuff. Um, well, when I did Brain Explosion and got my publishing deal. And that was – I got the publisher thanks to Kathy Garber, who was a friend. She's from Family Affair. And uh, I asked Dana to do a an endorsement in the book, and she did. But, That's yeah, awesome. Dana, Dana is awesome. You know, I've, I'll admit I've had a crush on Dana ever since, uh, well, National Lampoon's uh, summer vacation, of course. But the one where I really got a crush on her was when she was in a uh, – movie called Heaven Help Us, which yep. was an awesome movie. Yeah, well, pretty much anything she's done, and um, she's so adorable. She still looks the same all these years later. Yeah, how is that possible? And, the, and what's funny is a few years ago, <clears throat> we were going down into Santa Monica. This is my ex and I when we were still together because it was Anthony Michael Hall's birthday, and uh, we were going down – we were invited to celebrate with them in Santa Monica. And that was the first time I had met um, Anthony Michael Hall since he was a kid. Because I met Anthony Michael Hall originally in New York back in the 80s when he was kind of getting to be a big teen star. And we were, we were back – and I was writing for Tiger Beat at the time – and we were invited to Eddie Murphy's concert, that film concert he did at Madison Square Garden. And uh, we were downstairs waiting to go up to his uh, backstage. And Anthony Michael Hall, was, it was when he was starting to drink. So he was totally plastered. And there was a big black security guard just kind of holding us off. So Anthony Michael Hall just was like, when are we going up to see Eddie? And he's going, you'll get up to see Eddie when he's ready. And then he goes, are we allowed to curse on the show? <laughs> you know, it's you know, it's amazing how uh how 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 far Anthony Michael Hall has come from uh uh playing the geek, you know, to uh what he is now, you know. Right. No, I think he's still a great actor, but what was so funny was witnessing that he was so drunk. 
So he goes to the security guard who's like 10 times bigger than him. He pokes him in the stomach and he goes, do you know who the F I am? I'm Anthony F and Michael Hall. And, and the, the security guard just looked at him like, I don't care who the F you are. You're still not going up to what he says. And he just bounced off him like a, a plastic ball and just sat in the corner sulking. It was so funny. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, of course, uh, my two favorite Anthony Michael Hall roles uh, are uh, his role in 16 Candles, obviously, and uh, his role as uh, he played Whitey Ford in the movie 61, which was an yeah. awesome role for him. But one of my best friends is Leanne Curtis, who played Molly Ringwald's best friend in 16 Candles. Oh, yeah, right. Uh, you know, yeah, Leanne, you know, Leanne's also in Professor Creepy. Really? That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, with you know, with your with your career as as expanded all this uh all this time, uh who has been and I and I'll understand you don't want to answer the question because I'm sure you don't want to single anybody out, but of all the people that you've worked with, who has been um uh your biggest joy to work with? that you never thought that you'd get to work with. Oh, my God. You're right. There's been so many. Uh, one is Joy Harmon from um, Cool Hand Luke. Um, I, I produced and, um, and wrote a documentary about her called um, uh, The Joy Harmon Story from Cheesecake to Cheesecake. Um, I also got to work with Kevin Dobson, who's you know he just passed away sadly, but he's one of my best friends. And he's from Kojak and Not Landing, uh, working with Irwin Keys. Um, I did a project with Cheap Trick, so I mean they were always like, the coolest guys, and I become really good friends with Robin Zander. I worked on an album cover with them, and I just wrote a movie for Cheap Trick, Jamie Kennedy, and uh, Scott Schwartz, which I'm working on getting financing for. It's kind of a comedy like uh, Grown Ups meets Patty Shag. Now, uh, when you say uh, Scott Schwartz, that's uh, uh, Scott Schwartz as in uh, Flick from uh, uh, Christmas story, right? Yeah, the kid that got his tongue stuck to the pole. Yeah, he's been he's been on our show uh, a couple times too. He's uh, uh, he's a great one of my, uh, you know he's a good friend of mine on Facebook too, just like you are. And uh, you know, uh, I'd eventually like to uh, be able to uh, uh, you know get out and hang with you sometime if you uh, if you'd allow that. You know, I, I'd love to be a part of one of your projects. You know. Uh, if you you know you call on the icon, I guarantee the state of North Dakota would have a a, a Dave Sheldon Day uh, uh, in honor of you for putting the icon in a movie. Oh, you have that much clout in North Dakota? Well, uh, it would happen because <laughs> you know I, uh, I I am well known in North Dakota. You know. Oh, that's awesome. You know, and well, you uh, definitely have more I, I than I they'd have they'd have a premiere of it at the Fargo Theater, you know. Oh, that would be great as long as the, the slasher stays outside and, you know, yeah, we well, don't have people getting sped into it. 
Well, you know, here, here's the funny thing about uh, about the movie Fargo, what you're referring to. Uh, there's not too many people in the city, the city of Fargo here that like that movie. But here, here's what's interesting: in the Fargo Theater, they do have a uh, a, a carved uh, statue of the officer, the the female officer from that movie, and uh, the wood chipper is at our visitors bureau. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and I always wonder, like, do they ha- do they have like the remains of Steve Buscemi there too? No, but they have uh, they have uh, they have uh, entrails. Oh, that's even better. I would love <laughs> Steve Buscemi is one of my um, sort of bucket list actors that I want to work with. I've written some stuff that I think he would be great for. You know, so, um, if yeah, we we get some funding for these projects, I will so put you in it. You, you know, you know what my favorite Steve Buscemi role is. Oh yeah, what is it? Garland Green, Con Air. Oh, he was great in that. I also loved him in Escape from L.A. because that's like a documentary film right now. Yeah, you know, it, it was funny about. Uh, my uh, my favorite uh, uh, tagline from uh, when they talked about his character, man, that skinny white boy, he he murdered those people. He made the Manson family look like the Partridge family. <laughs> uh huh. Uh, is what, because well, Nicolas Cage is one of my favorite actors. I'd love to work with him on something. And now that he has all of his uh, financial situations taken care of, you know, maybe he's looking for some better projects. Well, you know, I'll tell you what. I'm still disappointed in Nicholas Cage that they haven't had a National Treasure three. I know. Well, who knows? Maybe you know, to Hollywood now. Who's so? That's the other thing about Hollywood. You know, if you see the insanity that's gone on the last four years, um, it, it's gotten so hard for someone like me, middle aged, and even you know, with brilliant writing, it doesn't. It doesn't even matter anymore. You can have uh, amazing people. Some people were joking that they saw a white guy in a commercial the other day, and I, I joked. I said, "You better record it before they take it off the air." And, yeah, um, that's that's <laughs> the way Hollywood has become. So, try trying these days for someone even with with my history to get something made, and a lot of actors are the same way. And it's just become very, very difficult, and it's kind of sad because look at the kind of stuff that Hollywood is putting out, and it kind of, like Netflix is a perfect example. Well, let me ask you this: uh, without uh, you know, I want to say you don't want to go into too much detail about it, but you know, you and I have, I believe, the same kind of uh, interesting sense of humor. You know, we find stuff funny that's not really funny to anybody else because of political correctness. Do you feel that uh, with our type of humor, it's hard uh, for you to get your projects launched because of that kind of humor? Oh, yes. I wrote a a spoof of Blazing Saddles, which is probably the most humor-driven, politically incorrect, funny things you could ever, ever write. And I've even got two guys from the original Blazing Saddles attached to it who thought it was hilarious. And uh, I haven't been able to get financing for it because of it. And I, mean, and I, I think it's, it's so funny. Go ahead. 
you know, it's like, you know, we were talking about, uh, I, I was talking, uh, you know, uh, Dave, Dave Shelton's our guest here. We have, uh, uh, we have, uh, four minutes of regular time, uh, 10 minutes uh, before overtime and we may go over if you can, uh, Dave, you can hang out with us. So we'd love that if you could, uh, uh, hang with us. But, uh, before we do that, uh, so we can get this in here. Uh, so, uh, cause our fans will have to download for the, the, uh, the cover question I'm about to ask, but if our fans want to check you out and see what you're doing, you got a Facebook, you got an Instagram, a YouTube, a Twitter, a Twitch, a GoFundMe. What do you got? Well, I've been banned from Twitter. Um, you can find me on Facebook. Um, actually, the best way to see what I'm working on is to go to my website, snuggybear.com, S-N-U-G-G-Y-B-E-A-R.com, uh, and it's got links to all the different projects, to the children's books, to Brain Explosion. I have a character, a podcast on Spotify called Bitchy the Clown, and he's a politically incorrect clown uh, from Kearney, New Jersey, of all places, and that I've got um, uh, he even has a couple of singles out that people can check out because uh, I've been doing a lot of music writing as well so I have this uh, catalog of like 60 original demos that I'm trying to get placed with bands and singers and stuff so so those are probably the best places um, they can go to Amazon and look up Brain Explosion or Bag Bully and Sweet Slob there and uh, and Facebook Lately, it's been all memes, you know, like political and humor memes and stuff. So uh, so if, if they want to go to Facebook, I don't really post too much personal stuff on there anymore because not that many people go to Facebook anymore to even see stuff. So that that's more just like a place to go and push buttons. And, uh, you know, you mentioned uh, your politically incorrect clown. Would you uh, compare this clown to, like, Shakes the Clown? <laughs> it's funny you say that. Uh, he He's kind of like a cross between Shakes the Clown, Krusty, and, um, well, he's not really Pennywise, but he kind of has that dementia about him and stuff. But, oh, you have to go listen. It's called Bitching with Bitchy. And if you go to Spotify and look up, you know, Bitching with Bitchy the Clown, you'll see it. And uh, it's very uncensored. It's raw. You know, he curses up a storm. But you know what? Everything he says is right on. In fact, Scott Schwartz was one of his guests, one of his early guests. So, um, but, but it's really, it's funny. He's like a comedy clown but he's caustic and, and he's really predicting things and he, and he's kind of making a difference. So, um, so yeah, so that's just one of the things I'm working on. And then cemetery go, go there's links to some of the back shows on that on snuggybear.com that you can go to. And I'm really proud of that because I, I started that here in Sistersville uh, because of the radio station nearby. I was working on an article with the program director and he asked me to create the show, and that's where it came from. Awesome. Now, uh, the, so they are letting us. Uh, they are allowing us to go over. Uh, so uh, we are there we any more? Are there any more questions in the chat room? Yes. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, I will. Uh, 
what I'm going to do here real quick, I'm going to go back into the chat room, but I'm going to send you the – well, I already sent you the address, uh, where to send your political buttons. But uh, let me uh, go back here. Let me pull up the chat room because uh, I was letting it fill back up again. Uh, let's see. Someone wanted to know about uh, – Writing for it looks like you did some something for everybody loves Raymond. Someone was asking about is that true? Uh, yes, that was one of my credits when I was working at National Lampoon. I got an opportunity to um, to help grant a make a wish, and one of them was one of his wishes was to go on a TV set. So we got him onto Everybody Loves Raymond set. And when I was talking to some of the producers there, they kind of knew who I was because uh, I was at National Lampoon. I got to work with Comic Relief, and so I met some of the peripheral people that worked there. And then they asked me to start working on that. And so season four is when I worked on Everybody Loves Raymond, and I was doing writing and cartooning, believe it or not. Uh, they were doing an episode, which was a spoof of Pokemon, called Hacky Do. And they asked me to create all the characters and the backstory and everything on that. And so I did that. That's awesome. And then uh, someone's also wondering about, uh, um, I don't know if they're even spelling this right, ask me if I care. I don't know why they put dots in the C-A-R-E, but maybe you can elaborate oh, on that. Well, that's, that's how it is. It was kind of my political documentary uh, reaction to CARE, the Islamic organization that's behind a lot of the Muslim Brotherhood, which is a terrorist group. And me being very political and, you know, and not letting people take advantage, you know, th this is kind of the thing that our country needs to worry about even more than just stuff at the border with, like, humanity. There's terrorists getting into our country, and CARE, C-A-I-R, uh, Ilan Omar is part of it. They are training terrorists in different parts of the country, and I'm concerned that this is going to be launching more terrorist attacks here now with Biden in office. So I decided to go with a biker gang out of New Jersey to upstate New York, to Islamburg, New York, and uh, we kind of infiltrated and – um, so I did an, kind of an underground documentary, very raw, um, and and that's where that is. And they can see that on Vimeo. All right. We have uh, – okay, for our fans listening, we have uh, two minutes left of regular time, and we have uh, uh, 17 minutes of overtime that we can go, so we're going to do this. Now, someone's asking about this. This can't be true. Uh, they – Someone said that they thought they saw you on People's Court. That can't be true, is it? That is so true. That that's uh, that is something that happened that well, I kind of wanted to forget. But I well, was well, uh, hold on a second. On, well, I'm, I'm gonna uh, now if if you don't want to talk oh, about, don't it, we mention, won't talk don't about mention it. Don't mention the guy's name. I, I never mentioned that guy's name that I had to sue. But I was well, on who, uh, NBC Radio who with judge? this guy. Who was the judge? Oh, uh, some Latino woman. I don't remember her name. Was it uh, Marilyn Million? Did she have kind of blonde hair? I think she, she's still doing it today, yeah. Because I remember oh, it started out with Wapner. It was Wapner, then uh, 
then uh, Ed Koch, then Jerry Shire, right. then Marilyn Millian. So it must have been Marilyn Millian that you had, right? Probably. It was like 2016 or something. Yeah, so are, but, are you willing um, to talk about it, or do we, do, we, do we just want to scam over it? Well, I can only talk about it for a second because I have a restraining order out. But um, basically, I was on an NBC radio show with a guy from Howard Stern, and he never paid me, and he told me he was going to pay me. Uh, and then he was really – he's just like a nasty human being to begin with. So what I did is um, I had to take him to court. So when I took him to court in L.A., then People's Court called and asked if we would see the case on People's Court, and that's where that came from. Well, uh, see, I guess I, we don't really – they don't really want to talk about the case so much. They just want to talk about what it was like. It's like uh, now when you uh, – you know, and I, I'm going to take it through the way I see it. Now, you know, you have uh, – you know, you, you walk into the courtroom, okay, and they, they introduce you. And then right. it's uh, more they like go through the set, case. It's a set courtroom. Okay, it's a set courtroom. So you 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 walk in, they're introducing you, and then at the end of the thing, it, it looks like uh, now do you go back through where you came through, or is there like a back exit that you go forward when you're done with the case? That's the question. Well, then you go back up through the seats and back through the same doors that you came into. Okay, and then you're gre- then you're greeted in the hallway by whoever the interviewer is at the time. And uh, uh, yeah, so apparently people are digging through the weeds. I don't even know if anything any of this stuff is true. I'm just going to ask these questions, and then you can tell me if it's true or not. Uh, someone someone mentioned love connection. Any truth to that? <laughs> yeah, some people have been doing their homework. Uh, uh, yeah, when I first got to L.A., I was working with Tim Allen on an HBO special and Robert Wall on his HBO special, and I was asked by one of the producers of Love Connection, who I had met, you know, she asked if I would go on the show, and I said, oh, sure, why not? And that's how that came about. So uh, you got to meet New Bomb Turk. Who? Uh, well, you mentioned Robert Wall, right? Oh, yes. So his most famous role to me is New Bomb Turk. Oh, okay. Oh, his character. <laughs> I'm going like, who is that? Um, yes, I worked with him on his HBO special. I'm still friends with him, and I'm friends with his son, and uh, I mean, Bob is one of the nicest guys too. I mean, there's so many people I've stayed with friends with that are are so nice. I mean, of course, there's a lot of you know what's in Hollywood too, but um, but yeah, um, Robert is is really cool, and it, it was great working with him. I mean, I still like that he worked on um, Good Morning Vietnam. That's one of my favorite right. roles to him, and because you he know, got to and work with uh, you know, and uh, apparently uh, people have been—I uh, don't know if they've been browsing your 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 Facebook page or whatever—but uh, apparently you were at Operation Repo as well. That can't be true, can it? What do they do? Take your car? <laughs> well, everything is staged there. Yeah, I was—I um, was actually an actor on that show. Uh, I was asked to play a stoner, which is, I guess, because I 
feel like a stoner, but I'm not a stoner. I don't do drugs or anything, but um, they basically wanted to take my car and they were coming to repo it. But being a drug dealer, I thought they were coming for my stash. And then when they get my car, I jump on the car and they start driving it away. And I'm on the hood of the car as they're driving away. So, so basically we can say that Operation Repo is a farce. Nothing is true on that show. Well, the guys who are the Operation Repo guys are real repo men and repo women and stuff. But, um, but the thing is on that show, it's sort of real sometimes because they actually, from what I found out, will hire real gang members and criminals to reenact their things, you know, the repossessions. That's, that's so they, they carried guns. They definitely had guns with them on the set. Wow. And uh, one last thing, uh, one last question here. Uh, a role, uh, uh, I've never even heard of this, Spear Smacker, whatever the hell that is. I have no idea. I've never even heard of this. Spear Factor. Oh, I think that was a talk show. Okay, you're on the talk show. Okay, that's cool. Wow. Right. Yeah, I think that I think that was just a radio show that I was invited on. I mean, I've done so many. One of the things that I'm really proud of, speaking of talk shows, is I was in a documentary uh, called "What Is Classic Rock," which is on it's either on Amazon or Netflix. But um, I was actually on the show because I'm a musician. I worked for Tiger Beat. I was asked to be part of it with major legendary rock stars like uh, Bruce Kulick, who's a friend of mine from Kiss, and um, Gibby Clark from Guns N' Roses, and Randy Bachman, and so many luminaries. And it was so cool to be included in it. So you can watch that, and it's called What is Classic Rock? And it's a brilliant documentary that this guy from Canada did on finding out the origins and what makes up classic rock versus other rock style. And uh, Dave Sheldon is our guest here. I just got the uh, the ten minute wrap up, so we got ten minutes here. And this has just been an awesome, uh, awesome time. And uh, we're glad that you took time on your schedule. And uh, I, I I I do apologize for uh, keeping you over what what I what we agreed to. But uh, fans, uh, our oh, fans of the show just it. love you. You know, they just love Aww. you. You know, and I do too. I'm just waiting for you to give me a part uh, a role in one of your next projects. Yeah, as soon as I get the funding, you know, for anyone that wants to back a really cool movie and doesn't care that I'm a middle-aged white guy, politically incorrect, conservative. So as soon as that happens, then you'll do that. Well, that's you know, every, everybody, everybody, everybody's got to start somewhere, right? All my, uh, what's that? Everybody's got to start somewhere, right? <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> But that's that's why I'm working on my own stuff because that seems to be nowadays the only way you can get stuff made. And as I said, I I'm here in in West Virginia. I love it here, and I'm doing more now here and getting stuff done than I did the last five years in L.A. And it's just so creatively open here, and you could breathe, and you don't have to worry about you know the crime right now. And it's just it's very conducive to creating so i'm writing music and doing all the scripts and everything and uh so um 
believe me, I'm I'm pursuing stuff. Hopefully, we'll get some more stuff out. And as I said, getting those two shows on Amazon has been really cool. People need to go watch them. Um, against Type, I did with Stephen First from Animal House and Roland Kickinger and a young Jeanette McCurdy, who I directed before she got iCarly. And I would love to work with. I wrote a slasher film just recently called Slumber Party Slashover, which uh, I actually wrote a part called Jeanette in it. Uh, in honor of her because she's such a nice person. So um, yeah, so uh, so it's been it's been really really cool doing that. So well, I, I'm I'm kind of curious. You mentioned this. Uh, we have uh, David Shelton as our guest here. We have uh, seven minutes left of overtime here. Uh, you know, you mentioned uh, uh, Stephen First. Uh, what was it like working with him? You know, my favorite role of Stephen First is of all time. Uh, actually, there's two. Well. Well, I like him in that, but my two favorite roles, though, uh, he was uh, in a movie called Up the Creek. Uh, I love that and, one with Tim Matheson. Yes, and his other one, uh, Midnight Madness, when he played Harold. Uh, yes, he was the captain of the blue that. team. I love that movie, too. He he was such an underrated actor. I mean, he did Babylon 5, and he did, I mean, so many other things. You know, it's a thing. He he got his notoriety by putting his photo in pizza boxes, which is interesting. Yep. You know, that's true. Uh, I he, tried he that. He told me that as well. I I tried that. People said, "Hey, this guy poisoned my pizza. His pictures in it." Oh my yep. gosh. <laughs> well, remember in, remember in um, Revenge of the Nerds when they were trying to raise money and win their competition, and they put Muffy's picture out of pie tin and put whipped cream on mm-hmm. it. Yep. <laughs> kind of the same thing. You know, you know, you know, the best line in that movie was was when Ted Ted McGinley says, "That's my pie." <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's a, I'm really good friends with Larry B. Scott, who played Lamar. And uh, really? I actually, he's going to be in uh, Little Guns, that spoof of Blazing Saddles that I wrote. And, um, and it's, oh, he, he's so cool. We used to live near each other in Studio City, but, uh, and Sherman Oaks area. But, you know, um, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, here's what I'd like to do if you can't do it. And I'll, you'll understand if you can't do it. But, I, you know, I, I think you have my direct phone number. If you could pass my number to him, Larry B. Scott, I would love to talk to him about my favorite role of his. I loved him as Lamar, but my favorite role of his was when he was in Top Gun. I'm I, I, not Top Gun, but uh, uh, Iron Eagle. Uh, yeah, uh, and Iron Eagle. Yeah, and uh, his my favorite line is, is, see, we got this president of the office that doesn't take no crap from no dippy little countries. Why do you think they call him Ronnie Ray God? You know, uh-huh. well, he also um, he also was really good in Fear of a Black Hat. Yes, uh, and you know, I <laughs> yeah, like I said, I'm going uh, I'm going to send you my number, and if like I say, you know, if you can if you can pass it on to him, I would appreciate it. You know, I, I will I will email him, I will email him or text him your number. Okay, I'll send that to you on Facebook. Okay, that would be awesome. And yeah, um, I, 
You know, I'll, I'll, I'll understand why you don't want to hook me up with uh, Dana Barron because you don't want me to steal her from you. I understand that, but uh, I think she's married. <laughs> I know she's cheating on us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry to disappoint you. <laughs> uh, uh, D- uh, Dave Sheldon is our guest here. We got four minutes, and I wish we had four more years with David. Um, you know, uh, I appreciate uh, you uh, coming on with us again, David, and uh, uh, we have just David, but that's okay. Uh, actually, the time we got two minutes, so uh, we're going to wrap this up in two minutes. Uh, you know, uh, if you can, if you'd be willing to do it again, maybe we can have you on again uh, when you get your new projects uh, rolling and you want to uh, pitch those, and especially when uh, you're about to run for office. We'd like to have you back on again, and then we'd like to uh, uh, we like to endorse you as a candidate. Like I said, I don't know if that's going to get you any votes. Uh, it, you know, even if it gets you one, it, it's it's better than having none, right? Oh, that's true. That'd be embarrassing, even in this part of the country. But uh, <laughs> I, I, w- I would like to uh, the two characters I mentioned, the groovy grave creeper and. Pitchy the Clown, I would love to just let the audience hear some of those character voices. Well, I'll tell you what, we will, uh, I will get you scheduled. Uh, you know, uh, I, I'm actually, well, I'm not ashamed to admit this, but we are booked from now, our calendar is full from now until the end of 2022. That's how popular our show's becoming, but I'm going to try and find oh, an opening wow. in there and I'm going to get you back on with us. Well, that makes it really popular, huh? <laughs> but, oh, by the way, this is this is Bitchy the Clown. If anybody really cares, but no one cares. I'm just gonna, I just kind of interrupt it, which is what I usually do to get my voice heard. Anyway, awesome. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, we do got to head out here. We appreciate it, David. Thank you for being on with us. Uh, everybody, check out our Facebook page, uh, Off the Ropes, to find out who's gonna be on next week, and uh, we'll do it again next week, same time, same channel. You guys are all awesome. We love you. And remember, we are the number one podcast in Ho Chi Minh City, Vietnam. No other podcast can say that. We'll see you all next week, ladies and gentlemen. And as always, have a great night. Yeah, thanks a lot. See you guys. <laughs> <laughs>